Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. As I begin this morning, I want to show you a number. It's an important number. It's a number that has affected you already today, whether you know it or not. Here's the number. 727. I promise you today, this number has already had a personal impact in your life. You say, what is that number? That is the number of unique serving opportunities every Sunday here at Hope Church that allows us to host four unique worship experiences where people can encounter the presence of the living God. I want you to think about that for a second. Every Sunday when we gather, 727 unique serving opportunities that take place. And some of them start long before we get here. Before 7 o'clock in the morning, every Sunday morning, some people get here to start setting cones out all over the parking lot so that when we drive on the parking lot, we're not running into each other. Some people get here before 6 a.m. so you can drink that coffee that you're drinking right now. They got it started this morning. Other people get here to start checking in children. Over 500 boys and girls today will be checked in in a way that is secure and safe and protects them so mom and dad can be over here enjoying God's word with confidence that their children are being taken care of in the other building in a secure way. Some are greeting people as they arrive in the parking lot or in the lobby. Some are praying during the service. Did you know that every week while we're in here having this church service, there's a small group of volunteers somewhere in this building in another place that is praying for what God is doing right now in this service. There are all kinds of volunteer opportunities all the way down to we have volunteers back here today running these cameras so you can see my beautiful face in high definition on those screens. All of these are positions that are carried out by volunteers, by people using their gifts to serve so that we can come together on Sunday and experience the presence of God. You see some of us up here on stage every weekend, but I want you to hear me very sincerely this morning. What happens at Hope Church on Sunday would not be possible without hundreds of your brothers and sisters in Christ using their gifts to serve us as a faith family. It wouldn't happen. We could not do this. And listen, when we talk about 727 opportunities and what happens here on Sunday, that's just Sunday. 
That didn't count all the stuff that happens during the week, all the fostering hopes and the purchase ministry and the international work, all the other things that God's doing. That's just the, the four services that happen here on Sunday. And it would not happen if there weren't hundreds of your brothers and sisters today who've been willing to sacrifice their time, energy, and effort to use their gifts that God's given them to serve you as brothers and sisters in Christ. You say, why are you telling us this this morning? Well, last weekend we launched into a new series that we've called Devoted. And the subtitle of this is Pursuing Together What Really Matters. And what we're doing is we're looking at a select passage of scripture in the book of Acts that examines the early church. The very first church, the church that God used to turn the world upside down, all of us today are followers of Jesus Christ because of their impact. And as we study this passage of scripture, we noticed a few things that they were devoted to. And we're aligning ourselves as a fellowship with God's word and making a kind of a fresh surrender as a church as we begin a new year to devote ourselves to these things. Last weekend, we looked at the first of these things, which was we must seek the Lord. We saw that in the early church, they had devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. We use that airplane illustration that the wind of the spirit of God moves in and through his church as we give priority to God's word and to prayer. Now, not just God's word and prayer in our personal lives, but as we come together as the church and we give priority to the word of God and prayer, we see God move mightily in our midst. Well, the second thing that we notice in this section of scripture that they were devoted to is that they were devoted to serving one another. They were devoted to serving one another. Christ in them had given them a love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the ways that love was expressed was through serving one another. You know why those people get here early on Sunday morning and start setting this up? You know why they do that? Because they love Jesus and because they love you. In love for Jesus and in love for you, they're serving their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, sometimes people will look at a church like Hope, being a larger church, they'll look at a church like Hope and say, well, Hope doesn't really need me. They have plenty of people. They've got all the things that they need. But listen, that's not true. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but every church has needs. And here's the big idea that I want us to look at today. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. I want you to read it out loud with me. Ready? One, two, three. God meets the needs of the church through gifted people who are in the church. That's how God works. God's design is that the needs of every church, those needs are met by God's gifts that he's given to people within the church. And the larger the church, the more needs there are to be met. The bottom line is God brought you here because you are needed. And he's gifted you to meet certain needs needs. So let's look at it in God's word. If you have your Bible, open it to the book of Acts chapter six. In Acts chapter six, we're reading this same story that we read last weekend, but let's dive back into it. Acts chapter six, beginning in verse one says, now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number. Now we talked about this last week, but this means that this church was growing. And when I say they were growing, I mean, they were 
growing. Hope, we know something about being a growing church. We're expanding even our buildings right now because we're growing. But not like this church. They went from 120 people to over 20,000 people in six months. They needed a building campaign. Amen. I mean, they were growing. They were exploding. But then look what it says next. While they were increasing in number, a complaint arose. Yep, this is definitely a church. Amen. <laughs> growing church. Somebody's not happy. A complaint arose on, on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples. They, they brought the church together and they said... It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's that first priority. They devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of the faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip. Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So we see in the early church, as they devoted themselves to these things that really matter, God continued in supernatural ways to accomplish his mission through them. As we look into 2020, our prayer is that we would kind of recalibrate, devote ourselves to these things, not that we aren't already, but just to take it to another level so that God can continue to accomplish his mission in and through us this year. So out of those verses, we're going to focus on this second thing that we want to be devoted to, and that is that we must serve one another. Let me give you two basic statements. Here's the first one. Every church has needs. Every church has needs. Where you find people, you find needs. It was true in the first church in the first century, and it is true in our church today. Now, some needs are what we would call reactive needs. That's serving in response to existing needs. That's exactly what you see happen here in the book of Acts. There was a need that popped up, and they were reactively serving and meeting this need. The Bible says in this particular instance, some people were being overlooked. Now, that's a powerful Greek word the word that we get overlooked from. It's actually a compound word made up of two words. The first word is the Greek word theomai. Now, that probably doesn't move you spiritually to hear the word theomai, but we get an English word from the word theomai. It's the word theater. A theater is where you go to either watch a play or a movie and you see a story told and you fix and focus your attention on that story trying to observe and draw information as you give your attention. But this word overlooked takes the word theomai, theater, and it puts a prefix on it that means beyond. It literally means that our attention and our focus was looking beyond certain people and they were being overlooked. Let's just be honest. That happens in churches at times. Amen? It just does. You get a lot of people together, especially in a situation where it's growing and new people are being added all the time. There are going to be situations where somebody 
gets overlooked. That you look past them, you fix your attention on another need, and you look past an existing need. And that's exactly what happened here in this church. It happens sometimes here in our church. For example, sometimes you may hear about somebody who's sick or somebody who's gone in the hospital and maybe nobody else in the church knows about that and you have to go into reactive mode in meeting that need by beginning to provide care and then try to connect that person and communicate so that others are aware of that need or there's another way that we can react to needs. For example, every given Sunday when we walk in this building, there are people that come here for the very first time. They've never been to a church, never been to Hope Church before, and you can tell when they walk in, you can kind of see it. They don't really know where to go. They don't know where to sit. They don't know what we're doing. You know what you can do? You can see that as a need, and my prayer is that every one of us comes in on Sunday with our antennas up looking for people that maybe are new and disconnected, and we can reactively begin to immediately serve that need by being hospitable and praying for them and seeing how we can get them connected and answering any questions that they may have. So some needs in the fellowship are reactive. Others are proactive. If you notice what they did in these verses, they had a reactive situation, but they developed a proactive ministry out of it. Out of that situation, they selected seven people who were going to lead a new ministry. It's often existing needs in a church that we react to that are the birthplace of ministries that proactively meet those needs in the future. So here was a situation, reactive need, and what they do? They put a ministry in place that was now designed to proactively meet that need. We have those at Hope Church. There are proactive ministry teams that exist to meet needs before they happen. For example, somebody came this week and restuffed the back of every chair that you're sitting in so that when we came this Sunday, there was material back there, connection cards and giving envelopes and pens and stuff that people need while they're here in our service. They put those in the back. Where did those come from? Did the angel fairies just show up and put those in? No. Proactively, there's a ministry team that's been put together to meet that need. Here's another example of proactive. There are over 500 boys and girls in the other building this week, this weekend that'll be there today. And we're doing way more than glorified babysitting over there. We have people this week that proactively sat before the Lord, put together a lesson plan, and what they're doing over there while we're being freed up to hear the word of God and to worship, they're taking the word and the gospel and laying it as a foundation in the lives of those boys and girls so the Holy Spirit of God can use that to bear fruit in their lives in the weeks, months, and years to come. But they proactively prepared to be involved in serving that way. Whether proactive or reactive, every church has needs. Let me put the word needs up here and just show you what I mean by this. The needs in a church, first of all, they're numerous. They're numerous. We, we talked about 727 just for today and most of the unique opportunities on a Sunday, we don't ask people to come and do it every week so they serve once a month or twice a month which means there are over 2,900 serving opportunities per month just here to do Sunday. That doesn't count all the other stuff that's going on. So, so there are numerous needs inside a church. Secondly, they're essential. These are needs that must be, must be met. If we don't meet these needs, the mission of God ceases to be accomplished in and through Hope Church. Number three, they're endless. They never stop. They never stop. When you come back next Sunday, you expect that chair to be sitting there, Right? It's continuous needs. Number four, they're diverse. Some are physical, some are financial, some are emotional, some are spiritual, some are relational. All kinds of needs that need to be met. But here's the last one. They're all significant. You see, every need matters because every person matters. 
Every person matters. Every church has needs. Here's the second big statement. God has a plan to meet the needs in every church. Let me show you the plan. It's a big idea. God meets the needs of the church through gifted people who are in the church. We read the story in Acts 6. Some people were being overlooked. Some people were not being cared for. So they came together and look at verse 3 again. Look what it says. Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Therefore, brethren, select from, say these two words out loud. Here's what they didn't say. Put together a committee and go find us somebody. No, here's what they said. Look inside. Look within the family. God gives gifts inside the family to meet the needs. The answer to the need of the church was not to look outside, but to look inside the fellowship. And God had gifted people in this fellowship that he'd raised up to begin to meet this need. You say, yeah, but man, when you read the list of names here, he names people like Stephen. Stephen was one of the first, he was the first martyr in the church. He's gone down in history in Acts chapter 8 as being the one that gave his life for the gospel. And he names Philip, the great evangelist, who was the first to take the gospel to the continent of Africa. I'm no Stephen, I'm no Philip. I, I don't have a name like that. I'm not gifted like that. Well, that's true. We're not all gifted in the same way. But Peter, who was one of the 12 in Acts 6, wrote another letter to the church. And listen to what he said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. He said, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So, to kind of bring this home, I want to draw two principles out of this verse written by Peter who experienced this in Acts 6 and who's now giving us instruction for the church today. And here are the two statements. Number one, you have been given a grace gift. Did you hear what he said? As each one has received a special, what's that word? Gift. But it's literally a grace gift. This word gift is the Greek word charisma. The root of that word is the word charis. Why is that important? The word charis is the Greek word for grace. The root of the word gift is the word grace. Grace speaks to that which we don't deserve, that which we don't earn, that which is not our talent or our ability or our skill. Grace is getting something that is not ours. It's getting something that we didn't deserve, we didn't earn. The Bible says that every believer has been given a grace gifting. Here's what that means. At the moment of salvation, the moment you came to know Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. And when he came to live inside of you, he uniquely gifted you to serve the body of Christ. One of my professors in seminary was a man named Dr. Jimmy Milliken. Listen to what he said about this Greek word charisma. He said, charisma is the outward manifestation, not of that with which one is born, nor inherited through the womb of the mother, but what is implanted by the Holy Spirit when one is reborn. 
Spiritual gifting, grace gifting, is not a natural talent or ability. It's a supernatural enablement given to us when the Holy Spirit comes to live inside. Look what he says. It is that which is accomplished in and through the believer by the Holy Spirit, which otherwise would not be accomplished. When you read through the New Testament, over 25 different gifts are mentioned in the New Testament. And I don't believe it's an exhaustive list. I think what the New Testament does is give us a sampling of the kinds of ways that we've been gifted as believers, but the Bible mentions things like mercy, helping, administration, leading, giving, interceding, caring, teaching, all of these different gifts. You say, well, who has these gifts? Well, the answer is simple. First Peter said, as each one has received. You see it? Each one. It could literally be translated every single one. Wayne Grudem said it this way. Each implies that every person in the fellowship of believers in every church to which Peter was writing had received a spiritual gift for use in the life of the church. Here's what that means. Nobody got left out. If you know Jesus... You've been supernaturally grace gifted by God to serve the body of Christ in accomplishing the mission of God in the world. Let me give you an equation to help you kind of bring this home, all right? Here's the first half of the equation. It's the word. Say that word out loud. Saved. To be saved means that you have a relationship with Jesus. You've turned from your sin, put your faith in Jesus, been born again into a relationship with God. That's what it means to be saved. If you are here today and you're already saved, let me see your hand. Just hold it up for a second. You're already saved. You know that if you were to die today, you're going to go to heaven. You have a relationship with God. Just hold it up for a second. Keep it up. You're saved. All right. Put your hands down. Now, this is a complicated equation, but here's the other half. Equals, so here's what that means. If you raised your hand and you said, I got a relationship with Jesus, I've been forgiven of my sin, I've been born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of me, guess what that means? You have been gifted. Here's what that means. Every single member of the family of God is valuable. Every one of us matter, and every one of us are essential. Paul wrote about this using an illustration because he refers to the church as the body of Christ. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Somebody say, well, because I don't have this gift, I'm not. No, 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 listen. If you came in today to Hope Church and you sat down and the person sitting next to you was a giant eyeball. (laughs) After you moved down a few seats... And began to pray for them, right? Because that's weird. We're not just one body part. It takes all the, the big eyeballs, no good. It didn't have legs to get here, right? It takes all the, and that's what he's saying here. Look what he goes on to say. If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But then look what he says. But God has placed the members 
It means to set in place. It means that God has given you a unique assignment in the body. And then it said, he's done that just as he desired. Meaning, your unique assignment is a part of God accomplishing his big purpose through us at Hope Church. You see, God birthed Hope Church to accomplish his mission. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Hey, guess what? It's true whether you agree with it or not. God birthed our church to be about his mission locally and globally. And Hope Church will never accomplish the mission without every one of us using our gifts in service to the body of Christ. Let me tell you a story that hopefully will bring this home for you. In the 1930s, there was a famous preacher by the name of Mordecai Ham. All of you going to run out and name your next child, Mordecai Ham, in honor of that preacher, right? Mordecai Ham, interesting name, interesting guy, but used mightily by God. As a matter of fact, in the life of his ministry, historians tell us over 200,000 people in America in the 1930s came to know Jesus Christ through his preaching ministry. Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham was so famous when he would come into a community, he would set up a tent and invite the community to come, and people would come to that tent to hear him preach the gospel. In 1934, he set up a tent in a rural community in North Carolina. And like happened everywhere Mordecai Ham went, it filled up. So full there wasn't a seat left in the place. Well, two teenage boys, young teenage boys, showed up to come hear Mordecai Ham preach, but there were no seats left in the building. So the two teenage boys, they looked around for a minute, looked around, couldn't find anything. They were leaving, and an usher saw them leaving. So don't, don't, don't leave. I'll help you. I'll find you a place. And he went down. He made some people move over and created space for these two teenage boys. And Mordecai Ham got up. He preached the gospel and gave an invitation for people to come to know Jesus Christ. And those two teenage boys both came and gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Two of the 200,000. Now, you never heard of Mordecai Ham before this morning, probably. But I promise you, you've heard the name of one of those two teenage boys. Because his name is Billy Graham. Now, listen. In his lifetime, Billy Graham preached to crowds sometimes where there were 200,000 people in one crowd. In his lifetime, Billy Graham saw tens of millions of people hear the gospel and millions of people come to faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let me ask you a question. Who gets the reward in heaven for the ministry of Billy Graham? Is it Billy Graham? No, I'm, listen, Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord last year. I know that when Billy Graham got there, he received rewards in heaven for the ministry that he faithfully carried out. But who gets the greater reward? Is it Billy Graham or is it Mordecai Ham? Billy Graham wouldn't have heard the gospel were it not for Mordecai Ham's faithful preaching ministry. Is it Mordecai Ham that gets the reward or, or is it the usher? You see, if the usher hadn't used his gifts in reacting to that situation and seeing those two boys that didn't have a seat, making some people move over and create some space, we may have never heard the name Billy Graham. You see, it takes the usher, 
It takes the guy that drove the tent pegs to set the tent up. It takes Mordecai Ham. It takes Billy Graham. It's all of us using our gifts in service to the body to carry out the mission of God. Every member of the body is valuable. John MacArthur said it this way. He said, each believer's spiritual giftedness is unique. As if each were a spiritual snowflake or fingerprint, it is as if God dipped his paintbrush into different colors or categories of gifts on his spiritual palette and paints each Christian a unique blend of colors. All of us have gifts. You have been given a gift. Here's the second statement. You're responsible to use that grace gift to serve others. You're responsible to use that grace gift to serve others. Did you hear First Peter 4.10? As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it. Use it in serving one another. And the way that that word is used in the text, it describes a continuous looking for opportunities to serve. My wife and I, uh, one of the things that we like to do together is we like to, at night before we go to bed, we watch, at least we'll usually have one television show that we watch together. And we'll kind of get on a string of watching a show for a while. Well, we just started a new show last week and actually got pretty addicted to it so much so that we, we binge watched the whole first season last week. Now, you're going to think we're a little late to the party because it's been out for a while. As a matter of fact, it's already had six full seasons and a movie made out of this series. So it's not new, but I'm hooked. It's called Downton Abbey. And I know some of the guys in the room are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But I, I, listen, I don't even know why I like it. it it's really, it, I just can't stop watching it. This story is about an aristocratic family in England in the early 1900s. And right here in the middle is the family, it's the Crawley family, <laughs> and the story is about this family and all of their domestic servants. So they call him Lord Crawley, and as we've been watching this show, the way that they have these house servants, it's unbelievable what they do. Like, like they, they feed them, they clothe them, they drive them, they set the table for them. Literally, these people don't have jobs. They don't do anything productive. The servants do everything. My wife and I, were watching this. We're about three episodes into the first season. She looks at me and says, you'd make a great lord. I didn't really know how to take that, to be honest with you, <laughs> because what I heard was Lord, but in my heart, what I heard was lazy. <laughs> but here's the thing about these servants in Downton Abbey. They don't wait for the family to ask for something. They are constantly looking to meet needs in the family before the family even knows they have a need. They're living on the lookout. It's the same way that the Bible says we're to employ our gifts. We're to live with the grace gifts that God's given us, constantly looking for ways to serve the family of God. Some people sit back in the church and say, well, I'm not serving because nobody asked me to serve. The Bible says you ain't got to be asked. When you see the need, God's grace gifted you to meet. You ever heard anybody 
say this. I, I, I know you've heard it. I've heard it. I've, I've gotten emails. About it. Somebody sees a need in the church, and here's the question. <clears throat> Why didn't the church do something about this? Hey, listen. The church is not a building. The church is not a staff. Listen to me. We are the church. So when somebody says to me, why didn't the church do something? I like to say, that's a good question. Why didn't you? (laughs) Has it ever dawned on you that maybe God showed you the need so the church would do something? We are the church. And we have the privilege of taking our grace gifts and using them to serve the body. And as we serve the body, the mission is accomplished through the church. One last thing. Go back to 1 Peter 4.10. Look at this. He says, as each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards. Listen, as good stewards of the manifold what? Grace of God. Here's what he says. Because we've received so much. Man, we need to let Christ in us who's given us so much now use that in serving others. Let me close with one one final illustration. What's this? That's a pot, right? It's an ordinary, average kitchen pot. Now, the unique thing about a kitchen pot is a kitchen pot is designed to contain what's been poured into it for personal consumption. That's the purpose of a kitchen pot. You put in it so that it can hold it, so that you can personally consume what's in it, right? As a matter of fact, if something gets out of the pot in the kitchen, we have a word for that. It's called a mess, right? Somebody's got to clean that up because this pot is designed to hold what you put in it and to be personally consumed by the ones that put something in that pot. (laughs) There's a lot of people who come to church and they're a kitchen pot. Fill it up, Lord. I need my word this week. I need my pick-me-up. I need that encouragement. I need that instruction. Fill it up, Lord. And then we take that pot home. And throughout the week, we personally consume. And then we come back next week. Fill my pot, Lord. Whole lot of kitchen pots in church. Let me show you another kind of pot. It's a watering pot. Now, still got to be filled. Nothing in it. It's no good. Needs to be filled. But it's not being filled just so I can personally consume. It's being filled so that it can be poured out. You see, the watering pot is designed that it's poured into, but what's poured into it is designed to be poured out of it in service to others. Let me ask you a question today. You a kitchen pot? 
you a watering pot. Here's what the Bible says. As good stewards of His grace that has so filled our lives, we're to all find our place. It's going to be different for all of us. Now, are there seasons when we need to step aside for a moment and just be a kitchen pot? Listen, there are. There are seasons when we need to rest and we need to replenish. There are seasons. But the normal rhythm of the life of a Christian is not to be a kitchen pot. It's to be a watering pot. Every year at Hope Church, to evaluate where we are, we do an annual survey. We did one a few months ago here at Hope. 42% of the people who call Hope Church their home in that survey, here's, what the, here's the box they checked. 42%. That's almost half. At this time, I do not serve. You know what that means? On a given Sunday, 42% of the people that are sitting here are kitchen pots. Give it to me, Lord, so I can consume it. Now, I'm not sharing this message today. We're not, we're not looking at these principles of devoting ourselves to serving one another to try to get the 58% who are already serving in three places to serve somewhere else. I got a target audience today, and it's target rich. 42%. Here's my challenge today. Stop being a watering pot or stop being a kitchen pot and start being a watering pot. Be filled by the amazing grace of Jesus so that Christ in you can work through you to pour into the lives of others. As you leave today, there are two ways you can respond to this. There are going to be some tents out there in the courtyard, tables set up where you can go and you can find out. We've highlighted three specific areas this weekend. Our first impressions team, our next generations team, and our hope creative team where you can go out there and find needs that we have right now today where you can begin to serve. It may be once a month that you begin to give some time and using your gifts to serve the body. But you can go out there to one of those tables and you can connect and you can find some needs and you can find where you can begin to serve or, or you can do it on the app. You can go to our Hope Church app and you can find a link there to get some information. Either way is fine. But here's what I'm telling you. We'll never accomplish the mission the way Jesus desires for us to accomplish the mission unless all of us are using our gifts in service to the body that the mission of God may be accomplished. Let's pray together today. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would take these truths and bear fruit in our fellowship. And Lord, I pray you'd do that not just for the impact that it'll have in our fellowship. I pray you'd do that for the impact that it has on us accomplishing the mission in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. Or that people would know who you are and know the good news of Jesus and know what it means to have a relationship with God. God, would you speak to us today? And as you sit quietly in a moment, just praying before the Lord, reflecting on what you've heard, if you're here today and you're a Christian already, many of you are, you raised your hand, I want you to be praying about what we've talked about today. Are you using your gifts in service to the body? But I want to talk for just a minute to those of you who are here, maybe you're not a Christian. And you feel like, man, you're, you're talking to 
church people today, and that's just not who I am. Listen, let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing today. We're doing what we're doing today because we love you. We want to be ready to connect with you. We want to be ready to minister to you. We want to be prepared to share with you the love of Jesus. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, maybe you feel very far from God. Here's what you need to know. The whole story of the Bible is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that even though right now you feel far from God because of disobeying God and maybe choices you've made in your life, just like all of us have done, God loved you anyway, and he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world. And Jesus came into the world, and he offered his body as our substitute. Jesus died on the cross for our sin, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin so that you and I could put our faith in Jesus. We could be born again into relationship with God, and we could be forgiven of all of our sin. And Jesus comes to live inside of us to give us new life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know what it means to be a Christian, but you'd like to talk with somebody about that, in just a moment we're going to stand and sing a song of worship. And while we're singing this song, we have pastors along the front here today. You can come to any one of these pastors and simply say, I need Jesus. That's all you got to say. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and answer some questions about how you can become a follower of Jesus today to be forgiven of your sin and to know that you'll go to heaven when you die. But for others of us today that are already Christians, I want you to be praying about as we sing this song of response how you're going to respond after the service. But also, maybe you want to come. We're going to open these steps up like an old-fashioned altar. Maybe you want to come and just be alone with God. Maybe you're a ministry team leader and you want to just bring a burden to the Lord for God to raise up more volunteers. Maybe you're somebody who's already serving in four or five different places and you feel the burden to just come and just pray for God to raise up out of that 42% others to engage in serving. Maybe there's somebody that you care about that's far from God and you just have them on your heart want to come get in one of these altars and pray for them. Just be alone with God. Maybe you want to pray with one of our pastors about something in your job, your health, your family, your marriage. We'd be honored to pray with you and for you. You just come as God speaks to you today. As we respond in worship, you respond to him. Lord, have your way in this moment. God, move among us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.